Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Debbie Howard. Uh, she Hello. has come the caregiving crisis. Good morning, Debbie. Hi, Kim. Very nice to be here. So today we're going to talk about um, having those difficult discussions with loved ones because that's always a problem. <laughs> Nobody wants to admit that they need some help. And, um, and so, so let's kind of back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you became involved in, in you know, basically the world of family caregiving. Okay. Well, thank you for asking, Kim. I am a market researcher and a Japan expert by profession, um, but I became a former family caregiver. I became, I am a former family caregiver. I became a caregiver when I was 54, when my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And I was still working in Tokyo at the time. Um, I had been running my market research consultancy for 24 years there. And I'm the eldest of three daughters. And, um, for the first year of my mom's chemotherapy and, and you know, trying to find ways out of a, an unwinnable situation, um, my two younger sisters and I were able to spot each other and make it work. And I just started traveling back and forth more and more from, from Japan. Um, and one sister was traveling back and forth to South Carolina from Texas. And then um, my other sister lived nearby. And after one year, just one year of us doing what I consider light caregiving, although cancer caregiving is not light, um, we had ex expired all the family medical leave for both of my sisters. And of course, as an entrepreneur, I was the only one left with the flexibility to be able to come home and, and be with my mom until she died. So um, I did that, I left one of my young staff in charge in Tokyo, and I literally worked my business off of my mom's dining room table in South Carolina um, until the end of her days. I can appreciate that. I've been a caregiver myself, so I understand how, you know, how that works. And so, yeah. so you've written a couple of books now. So can you give us a little background in how they helped companies and individuals with the challenges that society now faces with caregiving? Sure. Um, my own caregiving experience turned me into an advocate. And basically um, what happened is, of course, um, it was a very traumatic experience, but I took my market research expertise and I interviewed 200 caregivers to write this first book called The Caregiving Journey. And that's all, all about planning, surviving and thriving and relaunching your life when caregiving is done. And it's for individuals. And then the second book I wrote is called The Caregiving Crisis. And The Caregiving Crisis helps companies to become more caregiver friendly in the workplace. And that's important because 30% of all workforces are actually caring for older adults. So um, yeah, I, 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 love, I love those books because um, I think they lay it out really clearly for people. And they also helped me a lot personally to work through my own grief and, um, and my own thoughts and outrage about how our society is not prepared for helping family caregivers. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate because we're one of the 
countries that doesn't do that very well, unfortunately. And well, so, we hope we're going to get better at it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more baby boomers. You know, I'm like right at the end, you know, so there's a lot more baby boomers coming and I'm still young. So, you know, there's there's a lot more to, to come for sure. There, there, And there are a lot of us, people who have been caregivers and who are still caregivers, who actually at the end say, hey, I need to share my experience so that other other family caregivers and, you know, we have to remember we we may only go through this once in our lifetime and we're not very well trained for it. So there are a lot of us out here like me who were inspired to try to help afterwards. Well, that's good, because I think a lot of people go in it blindly uh, and definitely unprepared. And so. Yeah. So why should, you know, why should everybody be interested in planning for their caregiver days? You know, even young people, you know, because nobody wants to think about it and they don't think about it. They're like, I'm young. I got plenty of time. So, uh, so why do you think they should be interested in planning for that right now when they don't need it? Well, this is one of my favorite topics, Kim. Um, I am sure as a researcher and I've, I've been digging around for these numbers for years now. Um, I am sure that only about 5% of the families in the world are actually prepared for the long-term healthcare issues that come with aging. And what I mean by that is lots of families will have the wills and the basic things done, especially if there are children involved because you have to divide property up. And most people can see the logic of that. But um, imagine, and you know better than anyone, the problems when we don't have proper conversations and we don't know how much money there is to pay for long-term health care. How are we going to handle that? And so planning, and this is true in business as well, planning helps us get ahead of the curve and we're going to have to change the plan, right? Like I can guarantee you because we can't know exactly what's going to happen. But if we have those discussions and we have a little bit of a plan, we have a better chance we have a better chance at managing the situation. We have more options and, um, and we, we have a better chance of meeting our loved one's wishes in terms of helping them get to the end of their lives um, in, a, in a nice way and in the way they would like to get to the end of their lives. It's so awesome to hear you say that because we talk to clients all the time when it comes to planning. You know, I want you to plan early so you have options rather than planning later and you don't have options, you know, so, you know, and then having those discussions, because in my family, we have frank discussions about everything, usually at the kitchen table. So, uh, you know, wherever that kitchen table may be, lunch, out, whatever, you know, so, um, but I, I think it's truly important that people should, they should automatically assume that they're going to need long-term care and plan accordingly. Well, it, it's so true. And, and even in, um, in my family situation, I was very lucky. I had a super proactive mom and she sat us down when she was 65 and I would have been 45 ish. And, um, <clears throat> there was no problem. She was traveling around the world. We, as the adult children did not want to talk about it. Yeah. She forced us to. And the reason she did that is because her dad had just had a stroke and died at 86. So she knew um, she knew the pain of perhaps not being completely ready. So she made us do it. And um, so by the time she was diagnosed with cancer, we, we actually knew a lot of the big pieces. And she even had me on her signatory on the checkbooks and, you know, things like that, that really, really help. 
at the end. There's all kinds of other things to do at the end, actually. Yeah. And um, so I had a client one time and she says, the kids won't talk to me and um, they won't talk, let me talk to them about it. And I said, you're just going to have to use your best mom voice. You know, the one that when you say it, they stop everything they're doing and pay attention. She started laughing. I know and, that voice. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to do that. You don't have any other choice. And so, so let's Absolutely. help. Let's talk about some steps that they can take to get the ball rolling with these important decisions. Okay. Well, I always like to say that you should increase your awareness of what's going on and get your head out of the sand. <laughs> because when you see your parent or loved one, it could be your spouse, it could be a friend or a, or a favorite auntie. Um, when you see them starting to have trouble with the instrumental daily active instrumental activities of daily living, the IADLs, things like paying bills on time, things like um, tripping a little bit, maybe not walking as well as they used to. Um, maybe they're having trouble with um, a little accident here and there when they're driving. You know, when you see things like that, you need to get your antenna up and pay attention so that's a really good tip off that you may need to be having a discussion and say, hey, mom, um, you know, I, I notice, you know, you're tripping a little bit more lately and it, it's making me really nervous for your health. And um, that that's a little bit straightforward. And you each person has to take into account their own personal relationship as well with their loved one, because sometimes you can't approach someone that way, <laughs> that, that directly. Um, but another another thing I, I like to say is that we need to use opportunities of other relatives having trouble to get the discussion up front and center. So the your mom's sister has a trouble. She falls and has to go into the hospital or she even has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, God forbid, or, you know, something happens in your family of, of your close in family use that, use that opportunity to start the discussion because it's not going to be one discussion. This is going to be a series of discussions. You can't go all the way from, uh, Hey, how do you want to die? You know, uh, you, you can't go all there. You can't go all the way there in the first discussion. Yeah, no, I, uh, I started the discussion with my kids already and, uh, you know, because they, they watched me take care of my grandparents, you know, so, it was very important to start having that conversation with them now, you know, just to make sure that everything was going to be the way I wanted it to be. I love that idea of using your own family as an example, because it, it, it is something that has hit home with all of us, with our families. And then you can use that as a conversation starter. So what are typical topics that you think should be addressed with family members? Well, we, you know, there's, there's really three, there's three big ones. There's the living options. Where are you going to live? Are you going to live in your current home all the way to the end? If you can, if you can age independently that way, are you going to go to assisted living? Some people resist on that point. There's also the emergency actions that we need to have in place. So what if you do fall mom or dad? What, what, what can I do? What do you want me to do as your helper, your agent? Um, and then there's the cost, the cost of long-term health care. And, and a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but, you know, at the end, um, there are things that happen that we cannot imagine. And 
and we we all need to be cognizant of the fact that that we might outlive our money and that is a that is a challenge and we, if we plan for that in advance it makes it so much better definitely and uh, most definitely so how do you see companies getting involved with this you know very personal aspect of their employees lives because you know most people you know like maybe your immediate boss knows there's a problem but maybe you know, HR or somebody above them may not know there's a problem. Well, it's a great question because a lot of us don't want to tell our employers that we're caregivers because we might not get promoted or, you know, we might be otherwise stigmatized. And uh, what I like to do in my work is try to normalize this conversation so that companies are looking at caregiving of older adults as part of a lifespan culture. Why would we not support people who are caring for their older adults and older loved ones, yet we support people with babies. Why, why would we do that? So I advocate for a lifespan culture when we're looking at company support. And I look at companies creating more caregiver-friendly workplaces. So right now, uh, we actually had a friend in COVID because COVID really, really pointed up the duty of care. Um, most of the benefit so far has gone to younger moms of normal children at home, and that's fine. I'm all for that. And also for sandwich caregivers who are caring for kids still at home and older adults at the same time. What we do know uh, about companies is that 30% of every workforce is actually caring for older adults. That's a huge number. And we cannot, my opinion is that companies cannot afford to take the risk of uh, turnover. There's very high turnover with caregivers, absenteeism, and even future healthcare costs by ignoring this important segment of the workforce. So uh, I believe that helping caregivers of older adults should absolutely be included in the benefits packages and in the thinking for how do we support these different segments in our workforce. We find that um, caregivers don't normally take good care of themselves. And so, and a lot of times the caregivers pass first. So you have to take good care, you know, as a caregiver, you gotta take good care of yourself, you know, and definitely be very supportive of, you know, of caregivers, you know, so that they will be fine, you know, down in the future, so. If, if I may, um, it's really easy and cheap for companies to support caregivers who are working, employee caregivers, who, who, by the way, use 24 hours a week on average in their off work hours for doing these caregiving uh, functions that are basically shoring up the U.S. Medicare and healthcare systems. It's, it's a gap. The value of working of employee caregivers or let's just say family caregivers, the value of the work that family caregivers put in free is equal to the Medicare budget annually. We've, we've had that value, yeah, at, at like $15, $20 an hour. So it, it's, it's, um, it's something that companies really are going to have to get interested in as a, as a risk mitigation. Yeah, I was lucky. I was um, self-employed at the time, but I had teenagers at home. And um, so I was, I was definitely caught in that sandwich, you know, generation, but having my own business helped because I had the flexibility to adjust my schedule for doctor's appointments and grocery shopping and 
visits and things like that. So that was very helpful. And the kids, thank God, were very patient. And, um, and so most definitely. So Debbie, how does somebody find you? Okay, you can find me at www.thecaregivingcrisis.com and you can email me at debbie at thecaregivingcrisis.com. So if they want the books, do they go to the website or can they get them on Amazon? If or? you go to the website and you scroll down, there will be a box at the bottom where you can click and it'll take you right to Amazon. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Debbie, so much for being on the show and such good information. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kim. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.